0: Welcome to CEO Crossing, owning a business is hard especially when you're crossing over from one challenge only to be met with another. CEO Crossing is your source for inspiration, education, and reformation. It's where CEOs tell their stories, drop their knowledge, and help you succeed by showing you how to avoid their previous mistakes or take lessons they've already learned to help you accelerate your growth and success. Do you have a thirst for knowledge? Join us as host Paul Kirch helps you cross over by bringing you powerful insights and dynamic expert guests. And don't forget to jump in and join our social learning network by visiting ceocrossing.org. ceocrossing.org. And simply apply for membership today. Now let's welcome the host of CEO Crossing, Paul Kirsch. Paul Kirsch.
1: Hey folks, it's Paul Kirsch, host of CEO Crossing. I'm grateful you're here today. I got a quick question for you. How would you like to take $10 a day and turn it into $170 million? Well, that's what Tony Nash, the president of Booktopia did. He took a $10 a day marketing budget, and now, after 16 years, that company's valued at over $175 million. And Booktopia is an amazing company, and we're going to talk to Tony about how he built his brand and how he scaled it up, and now how he's one of the dominant booksellers in the world, especially in the Australian marketplace. So we're really grateful to be talking to Tony Nash because he's going to talk about his story, his journey, and how he took that budget and built an amazing brand out of it. Let's welcome Tony Nash to the interview. Tony Nash, welcome to CEO Crossing. We're honored to have you on. Thanks for having me. Well, yeah, you've got a great story and we're really excited to hear a little bit about your journey as you've built up Booktopia, uh, which a lot of people are comparing to maybe an Amazon of Australia, at least the bookseller portion, which is obviously a nice accolade or a nice comparison to make. What's the journey been like for you? Uh, You guys started off obviously it, in a meager place with a small medium media and marketing budget and built this to an empire. How has that process been for you?
2: First of all, I was, I was um, fortunate not to have come from the book industry. So, um, I didn't think like anyone else. It was a side project that I started in the evening. My brother, my brother-in-law and my sister and I had a internet marketing consultancy. We were getting people to the top of Google It was the early two thousands. Google had been going for a few years. And we had done a job to get it uh, one of Australia's oldest and most successful bookstore businesses to the top of Google. And they outsourced their website to another company at the time to fulfill their orders, run the site. And at the end of every month, they got a commission check of what was sold. And we approached them because they actually manage 80 bookstores' websites. And so um, they weren't int- interested in introducing us to their other customers to get, get, for us to get more um, consulting work. So it was, uh, it was at that moment that I asked the questions about, well, how does it all work and what's going on here? And I realized I could start my own online bookstore um, uh, using their platform. And, and I um, came up with the name Booktopia, uh, got the store set up. And my brother who handled the finances said, you can start Booktopia. We've got all this consulting work, so it has to be outside of ours. And I'm giving you a budget of $10 per day to start the company. And he's very generous, my brother. And, uh, and so I used Google ads to set up my, my you know, my, my, my ads and, and set my budget at 10 bucks. But because I had such little money to work with, I didn't use, go for terms like bookshop or bookstore or books. I went for author names and titles so I could send them deep into the site where those books were and I could maximize my budget. So it took three days to sell my first book. That was the total sales for the day one book. Um, by the end of uh, the month, it'd be, I got up to $2,000 in sales. By the fourth month i was up to thirty thousand a month by the end of the year a hundred thousand a month by the end of two years two hundred thousand a month so it wasn't a light bulb moment or some great mm-hmm. you know i've seen a gap in the market it was just one thing led to another and and in those days people said to me um what do you want to start a what do you want to start a bookstore for you know you, you're too late there's there's amazon there's borders there's dimmicks um there in australia we've got dimmicks it's like barnes and noble angus and robertson like barnes noble. And so, and so um, you're too late. Now people say to me 16 years later, it's lucky you got in early. So um, I didn't really know what I was getting into. I did find out very quickly that nobody else really under in the book industry really understood online and understood the opportunity. So um, the way that I saw the world, and I think three-dimensionally when it comes to um, entrepreneurship. So I was looking at it in a bit from very different angles they looked at it more from the world as flat, kind of, this is the way it always is, so this is the way it will always be. So that, that really kind of made it a little easier, probably, I don't know, like being a, you know, a big kid in the playground um, at, the, at a primary school trying to you know, win a game. It's, it's, it's a bit easier, and I'm sure that's how Jeff Bez, Bezos felt in the beginning as well when Amazon kicked off 10 years before us. And, and so the business grew. About 10 years ago, we were up to, um, so we got to around $10 million in revenue. We had about um, 35 employees around around 2010. And today, 10 years on, uh, we're now in about 150,000 square feet of um, headquarters and distribution center. Um, we'll do uh, in revenue in Aussie dollars uh, this calendar year, 2020, about 180 million. So it's about 140 million US. Uh, we've got 260 employees. Uh, we've built our own website, warehouse management systems, our proprietary r- algorithms, stock stock ordering, all those algorithms that you need. Um, we have donated over a million dollars in cash and books to literacy projects in Australia, including, including a lot of indigenous literacy projects. Uh, we have um, got $22 million of automation, $10 million of stock, and in January this year, so for those that are listening, uh, 2020. January 2020, we did our first capital raise of 20 million dollars. So we pretty well had got to about 150 million dollars out of that 10 dollar note. Uh, it was it's been quite a miraculous journey, especially in the last 15 years when people have been talking about the the death of the the physical bookshop, the end of the the physical book, and the annihilation of everyone by Amazon. So, um, in terms of entrepreneurship, bootstrapping, uh, um, you know, building a business. Um, from nothing, Booktopia um, is an incredibly, um, uh, incredibly inspiring and, and unbelievable, mir- miraculous story.
1: It really is, and I think your strategy of doing what you did with the SEO at the time or the the ad campaigns was brilliant to drive people deeper into the site. I mean that that in itself was uh, really you were probably ahead of the game in terms of that thinking, which is probably why you got so much traffic. But that being said, would that strategy work for you today? If you were to start today, similar budget, or do you think it would not have the impact with the competitive nature and the cost of keywords and, and advertising like it is?
2: So as an entrepreneur, the, the thing is, is that I love organic growth. So in the, past, in the past few years, we set up our own book distribution company as well. So we are now um, reaching out to publishers around the world to say, we'll be your ANZ Distributor, Australian New Zealand distributor, and and what that means is that we you know we're leveraging off the infrastructure of, of our warehousing and automation to do that. Um, so um, that gives us obviously deeper discounting, deeper connection, and of course bookshops. We've got six hundred bookstores and and businesses buying from us through our wholesale distribution business now, as well as our online retail business buying from that business. And we've also got into publishing as well. So, so um, even further, deeper discounting, because we're right now dealing from the author right through to the, the customer. So so from a, um, a starting now perspective, if I was to go into other markets, um, I might do it a little bit more vertically today. So looking at what we do with publishing and distribution, and then look at retailing. But the organic aspect of it, um, where it just takes time, if someone has the ability to, to ensure that that what money is coming through can fund the, your your growth, fund your operations, and then have something left over to put into growth, which is the way we built our business, um, is is the key. So, most people when they do a, a startup, it even back in the day when when I started and before, it's like okay, let's raise money, and let's use that money to get marketing. But they're trying to get to break even. They're trying to get to a point where they're where they've got enough revenue coming through to, to cover the cost. But my experience of that is quite often they come up short. And then the, that, that whole concept, that whole entrepreneurial idea, that it, where they've brought on investors and they've got maybe debt and a, a bunch of other things um, is not something that I'm comfortable with. I, I come from a background in sales before um, the internet marketing. So you've got to sell so you can get the money to then fund everything. Um, and so it, it is possible, and we're seeing you know, many companies start and grow. Maybe not in books. Books is a very it's a much bigger barrier to entry than people think. There's 27 million active books at any one point in time. Um, to build the websites to handle that kind of volume of data, and to be fast acting, to know the SEO and the and the, the all of the internet marketing uh, tech, tactics and tricks that we knew and we now know more. Um, to know have those relationships with the publishers which are which is an industry that is 570 years old and some of them I won't say they act that way but they they've got there's some legacy mindsets around um how that you know how they can operate in in a digital world so I, I think um it is possible it is possible but um you you just have to have the patience and the ability to go through those stages to get from Uh, uh, what seems like small in the beginning, but you're you're still growing. We're the only company ever in Australia to make the Fast 100, which is the fastest 100 uh, companies eight times. So that meant that we were growing at 30% a year for 10 years straight. Um, So you might feel like you're starting off small at one or two million and you think, oh, you know, Booktopia is 200 million. So it's like we're a long way off. But 30% every year, and if you can take the time to build it, It starts compounding.
1: One of my favorite things to say is that uh, where there's no purpose, there's no point. Because I think a lot of times, if you don't have a purpose driving you in your business, it's easy for you during those hard times, which we all have faced, uh, no matter what size company you are, I guarantee you have stories and, and war wounds to get where you are today. But is there a purpose behind what you do or is there a purpose that's driven you through this whole process? You came from the industry, fair enough. But on a $10 a day budget, you must have been kicking yourself for a while as you were starting to see things scale up and you must have had something that was pushing you.
2: So first of all, those um, – so from 2004 when we first started, actually was um, February 4th, um, same day that Facebook started, not that we knew that on the day. Um, it We only found out on our 10th birthday was their 10th birthday on the same day, which is quite funny. Um, but um, – so from 2004 through to 2009, we kept doing our SEO, um, internet marketing consulting. So, so we had money coming through from our clients, and it kept building. And even though, um, by the time we had finished, we had moved from a, a, um, a 600 square foot office in the middle of Sydney to a 22,000 square foot um, office and warehouse in an outer, you know, close to the center of Sydney, but a little bit outer in the suburbs. Um, we already had quite a few people working in that book business as we were tapering down. So so that was clever in terms of having the funding coming through to pay ourselves a salary until we felt that Booktopia was big enough that we could um, depart from that and still pay ourselves a salary. So that that was um, an, an aspect of it. The, the one thing I will say about where you're angling is from day one, we've asked one question, what do our customers want? And by asking that question every single day for 16 years, you end up here. And and I must admit that in the book industry, very few people ask. You know, what do our customers want? Do they, they, they just, they just kind of keep dreaming up books and they're hoping that it sticks. There's, there is some element to it, but a lot of the time, my experience of it is that um, they're not doing that. Like for example, um, we sold a lot of romance kind of move more to ebooks today so it's a bit more digital download but in the beginning tons and i'm talking you know like small mass market um paperbacks with a bare chested guy in a kilt in the scottish highlands on the front cover right and if you own a bookstore like um you don't read that and therefore you can't hand on heart say look this is a really good one i reckon you should read it they don't stock especially in australia i don't know what it's like in north america or Europe, but they don't stock romance here. We were selling truckloads because that's what our customers wanted. So it didn't bother me that that's what we were getting into. And so it's just like by finding out what they want and get, delivering that—that's um, really that to me is felt felt like the cut through. And it's kind of like if you were um, if you had a horizon point, you know, that was three mountain ranges over. That's where we're heading. That's where we're heading. That's where we're heading. Uh, gives you, a, a you know, point of in a point of reference. For example, if I said to you, "Come on, let's let's jump on a boat and let's let's just go 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 east I, I, from Sydney, we could end up in Alaska or we could end up in Antarctica." So if I said to you, "No, no, we're actually going to New Zealand." Oh, great, okay. But is it the North Island or the South? The North Island. We're going to the. So we're we're going to Auckland. Are you going to? No, no, we're going to go to the the dock where they have the America's Cup in Auckland, that's where we're going. Thank you, now I know where we're heading. And you can just see that difference. And there's a lot of times I feel that organizations and leaders of organizations don't have that laser kind of thinking, that's where we're heading, that's where we're heading. And I think that's really served us. Sometimes they have
1: it in the beginning and then they lose sight of that, which is the, I think the bigger hurdle for a lot of them is that they, all of a sudden, things are going well in their business and they stop planning like that. Owning a business is hard, especially when you're crossing over from one challenge only to be met with another. You don't have to go it alone. Come out to CEOCrossing.org and find your source for inspiration, education, and reformation. Here, CEOs tell their stories, drop their knowledge, and help you succeed by showing you how to avoid their previous mistakes or take lessons they have learned to help you accelerate your growth and success. Visit CEOCrossing.org and apply for membership today. Kind I'll share really. with you
2: something I'll share with you something that that um, your listeners can perhaps relate to so when we were turning over 20 million um, I we you've probably heard have you heard of the wayback machine archive.org yeah. yeah so you can go to booktopia.comau and go back to actually 2004 and see what our website looked like on the 7th of February which is the day that I sold my first book I'm sure a Google ad had kind of followed us and then took a photo HTML photo of our website and so you can see in you can see over the years how it kind of progressed. So at one point there, it was about 2010, I think something like that. We started. We realized our website was just dre- dreadfully, you know, due for an upgrade. And one of the mums at my son's um, primary school was a graphic designer. And so because we had a very little limited budget, I said to her, look, we need a new website. I said, and here's the brief: we're turning over twenty million dollars, and when someone comes to our website, what you've got to what You've got to ask the person one question. When they see our new website and you ask them this, how much do you reckon they're turning over? The answer has to be a $100 million. That's your brief. So because we wanted to get to a $100 million and so therefore it needed to look like that. So then people already started to continue to buy from us and go, they're dealing with that kind of company. Now, the interesting thing is, is that um, my deputy CEO, who's 20 years younger than me and been he's, he's Been head of IT. He's one of the best IT guys in e-commerce in Australia. Australia. We were lucky to get him at 25, and and he's been with us for 12 years. And and when we were kind of getting, I think to 90 million in revenue, or maybe it was 100 million, 110. I forget what it was. Some somewhere around there. He said to me, and and it's nice to have people around you like this within your organisation. He said, Tony, really feels like you kind of not lost your way, but you're not here. You're a bit you're a bit absent. And I, and I I said th- thanks Wayne for speaking out I really appreciate your honesty and I I went away and as over the course of the week or maybe it was only a day I can't remember but I he said you know what I forgot to recalibrate we're getting we got to 100 million we hit we've got to get to 200 million and it didn't take too long when I reset and go all right that's where I'm heading and so just having that horizon point for me that's where we're heading all of a sudden you're starting to get get into motion so Perhaps people that you were referring to, they're just not. They're kind of getting there, and they realise they've accomplished so much, and they start to relax because the body knows, at a a cellular level, that you've kind of you're there or you're going to get there. It's just you can just kind of cruise in now because it's the last part of the trip. You've made the marathon, and you can kind of glide. So that that was my personal experience around around yeah. um that and having such a, a big goal and then to have got it getting closer, got to it
1: well human beings seek comfort to I not mean, to reset. and reset at the, the moment yeah. yeah i mean so at the
2: moment at the moment we're getting the, the end of this year we'll be um, probably touching on 200 million so we're going to to get there i'm already th- now thinking 300 and 500 million i was going to
1: remind and you 30. if you didn't already know that tony i was going to tell you that you better better keep it uh, focused on the next level because you're already almost yeah. there but i that's mean right. truth be told i mean human beings seek comfort and that's uh unfortunately comfort also breeds the opportunity to relax and when you're relaxed, you're not pushing and we as you know as a w-2 wage earner which you know here in the states that's how Uh, the average employee is paid, It's it's uh, you have the luxury of working for a company that makes the decisions for you. When I started my own company, not unlike yourself, a lot of pressure was put on me, a lot of decisions fell on my lap that I was not aware I was gonna have to do, but it always keeps me pushing. But I also uh, went through a divorce, and during that time, I was really not feeling good about life, I was depressed, and i lost my purpose i lost that push you know and when i rediscovered it it was amazing how much i realized that i had let myself get comfortable cuz i was seeking comfort in other ways so it's it's part of the challenge of i think running a business and when you get to a size that you are you're at that point where it's probably become more siloed in terms of the way you manage right i mean in terms of the company cuz once it grows to a certain point you probably have middle managers you have people that are answering to other people that you just not didn't have when you were small.
2: Yeah, and that's very much a part of um, – well, it's it may be more so today than ever before. However, even at the very early stages, you've got to be letting go. You've got to let go of the fact that you can do it better, but someone else is in there doing the very best they can. It may not be as good as you, but they're doing what they can to get you where you need to get to, and, and that starts to accumulate when you have people – um, you know, trying hard, uh, doing the best they can, understand the purpose of the company. Um, then you, then you're creating a, an organization, a robust organization which has um, a life of its own. I, I, um, I like to think that you know, the the company is its own organism. It, it's its own thing. It's not me. I am not my company. I am, I am not, um, the business. The business. When we win um, prestigious business awards or whatever, it's the business winning the award. It's not me winning the award. Uh, it's two hundred million dollars in revenue. That's the company. Actually, it's not. It's not me. It's not going into my pocket. And a lot of people get their ego and their identity locked into their company. And and by me seeing it as a separate thing and having separation means that I can look at it in a certain way and go, oh, that's what it needs. It's not. It's not who I am. And I think that's a an important part of, I think if I had my own personal values of how I think about myself in terms of, um, you know, what I'm not good, at, that I'm not good enough or uh, things that I probably learned in the school, in the school playground, um, you're not worthy and all these other things, then I would have set these glass ceilings um, on the business. But by by allowing it to be its own certain thing, it's just continued to flourish and, and therefore I haven't imprinted any of my own in a personality on on that and then people see booktopia as its own thing I think that's a really important um, thing to to play with and for an entrepreneur to get to understand how they can get massive continued growth for so many years is by uh, continuing to think of it as your, your child uh, it's gonna it crawls it walks it goes to daycare it goes to school it goes to high school goes to college it goes to goes out on its own and then it's its own thing and if you want to go on a holiday it's going to be okay it's going to take care of itself there's people involved that that has served me it's personally served me very well as the ceo
1: well i can also tell you that the example you gave of the gentleman that pointed out to you that he saw that you were not fully engaged that speaks volumes to the environment you've created. You didn't take offense to it. You actually stepped away and you felt it was a blessing that he'd stepped up and given you that message. And that obviously speaks to the kind of culture you drive there. As the company is, has grown, culture is always an important part of any organization and making sure that people work there feel like they're a part of something that is bigger than themselves. How have you maintained a culture that, is representative of what you want and what your clients want, as well as being able to maintain that growth without it uh, hindering that.
2: It's a tricky one for me because um, that we've all my brother, my brother-in-law, and I, uh, in-law and I. My sister's taken more of a uh, an operations role, so she's never been part of the leadership or, or the board of directors. So the three of us at, at various times have had to let go of certain things within the business. And not um, and not try and um, you know force your hand. You get a chance to, as the captain of a huge ship, and I've never been one, but you can imagine that there's a, quite a few people involved in getting it to where it needs to get to. And so your touch points are, are soft and but but um, well thought through. So um, I I feel like um, the culture has. has um, has kind of evolved through the identity of itself and that because Booktopia has continued to grow so much and everyone is excited to be part of a company that is growing, um, the customers have really um, uh, kind of delivered us the opportunity to to forge our own culture, to be obsessed about books. I mean, you're talking about a customer base that are fairly um, uh, passionate about the product that we're selling—they're uh, quite often learned people who who appreciate what you know, what you know, what we're selling, and and that it's very, it's a very, very unique offering. So we're in a we're in a special place. I don't I don't feel like I'm the kind of person that um, like some of these dot com companies that I've known over the years that are now either here or no now no longer here, where they've got this really funky, cool um, environment where you've got. Um, you know your own chefs and your own this and we didn't have the money to do that so <laughs> um, I guess maybe if we did we would have but um, that kind of being a place where where um, it's like oh my god what a great place to work it's the most amazing culture is this has been more of, um, of uh, join Booktopia and when I leave Booktopia my career will be much further Uh, developed and I'll be of more value to myself, my family and to another company is that it's that kind of organization. I think, I think that's where, um, you know, where a lot of the culture resides.
1: Yeah, that's great. Well, let me let me ask you one question as we close this out. And Tony, I want to thank you for taking out time. Uh, Obviously, the time difference uh, uh, presents a challenge, but uh, we were able to fit this interview in and I'm very grateful for the opportunity to talk to you and hear your story. But as entrepreneurship has become more, I guess we'll say, quote unquote, sexy. And especially here in the States, you see a lot of young people going to school actually for entrepreneurship, which didn't exist when I started. And in Australia, New Zealand, and your part of the world, entrepreneurship has become a very big part of the culture in terms of the way that people are just, I guess, able to push themselves and take that leap of faith but that has opened up an opportunity in the book world that maybe, I I won't say saved the book world, but has made a big impact. And that's entrepreneurs, consultants, coaches, business leaders actually writing and publishing books. How much of an impact have you seen that make on the industry and where do we go with that? Because if you're a coach today and you don't have a book, good luck getting a big stage speaking engagement. So it really is, it is a tool for success for a lot of people in business. How much of an impact is that making on the industry?
2: It doesn't feel like there's a lot uh, because it's so spread over so many, um, you know, so many books um, that you don't feel like um, that it's, that they say, you know, they say, and I believe in, uh, just to to make it clear, they believe in, in, in a climate change and that the oceans are rising. um, And we, we see lots of, photos of polar caps and Greenland and other areas in the Arctic where there used to be a lot of ice and there's not a lot of, a lot of ice and that the oceans are going to rise. I, you know, I don't see the oceans rising when I go down to the beach here in Sydney, Bondi beach. Um, so, but it is happening yeah. in a similar, it kind of feels in a similar way. That's, that's a tricky one. What I will say to that is that um, the barrier to entry to get a book published or written created whatever you want to call it is much lower than ever ever before like it's just so much easier to sit down uh, get a global pandemic um stuck at home write a book right on your, comp- on your computer on your laptop laptop your ipad your phone you can do it you can create a book now from from with very very little um uh, resources than what was needed uh, before and not only that you don't need a big publisher anymore to get that out there you've got other avenues through through digital audio um, self-publishing so so that means that it is very easy to create those books which is what you're talking about how easy is it to you know what and because it's so much easier um, than ever before there's a lot of them and there's a lot of people uh, with their with their uh with their books I agree with you and there's some that it's good and important for a for a a knowledge expert to create their own artifact, their own book as a calling card and and be an author. That there's a lot of authenticity there. There's a lot of value in, in doing that. And it gives you a a a gold pass to get through to the, you know, to the speaker's lounge, to the wherever to the to a big consulting job for a large organization. And, and if you're a knowledge expert, so it's definitely worth doing it. And I've seen many, many people use it as their calling card, better than a business card. Doesn't right always now. translate
1: to sales, and obviously, it's not always as uh, widely recognized. As I mean, we only can have so many free economic books out there in the uh, in the business space, right? So you That's haven't right. you haven't seen a huge change in your marketplace then? Apparently, based off of your answer, uh, most of your sales have still kind of been in the fiction space or in?
2: Uh, So, so fiction, it's really spread interestingly across the board and as, as companies like Amazon and Booktopia and others around the world, where we we give customers uh, um, easier access to the deep back list of titles that are out there rather than um, the front list, which is what the publishers want to push and promote as their latest big book. And, and they're not, they just bookstores could only, you know, like your, your local bookstore, We'll only have 12 maybe 15,000 titles in stock a, a big border store those very big mega stores 100,000 titles in stock so and you're talking about uh, booktopia and amazon having 100 200 300,000 titles in stock ready to ship um that so so um the the choice has increased but the the interesting thing from my perspective as a seller is that the quality um, the cream still rises to the top. So um, the big, good, you know, Malcolm Gladwell, um, Jim Collins, uh, and even the classics from Napoleon Hill, Dale Carnegie, which still sell uh, from a business book perspective. Um, you, you can, like, you, That there's very, that, that list is still strong and very few. Um, yeah. I, I did get to meet the publisher who wrote uh, the Thomas um, Pilk. Is it Piccetti the on capitalism? Um, Piketty, I forget um, exactly. But when I met with them in London in March this year, just before the pandemic broke out, and they said to me that they they expected to sell thirty thousand units, which is a lot because it's a big, thick um, business or um, book on economics. They sold three million copies, so um, it's it's a bit like drilling for oil. Actually, like you drill nothing you drill nothing you drill I mean, is it, we can work that you drill pay it like we can work this we can work this vein for the next 30 years it's it's a little like it's it's a lot of speculation so when it comes to perhaps some of the people watching this who are business people you de- it's definitely worth getting a book um into production however uh the to get a good quality book you have to work with a s- structural editor you've got to work with a team of people because even the biggest authors in the world i don't care whether it's James Patterson, J.K. Rowling, they have got an editorial team that are, that are working over that book furiously. So if you think you can just get a business book and, okay, I've got my book, right, is that the big business books, I can assure you, have got teams of people who are going over, looking at the flow, missing a bit here, and really bringing it together. And that costs um, 30000 50000 maybe even more to, to really knock it into shape and and, and that's why these quite often these um, people with their own calling card business book, where they've self-published or uh, um, paid three or five thousand dollars to get it edited, or maybe um, proofread, it's just not going to get the volumes because it, it, most often it hasn't had the work put into it.
1: Hey, Tony Nash, thank you so much for coming on CEO Crossing. I really enjoyed hearing your story and uh, your great insights, and I think anybody hearing this is hopefully going to take away some really good nuggets that will help them cross over to success. So thanks again for being on CEO crossing What pleasure.
2: And if anyone wants to just reach out, uh, just do a search on Google for Tony Nash booktopia LinkedIn and send me a message. I'm happy to respond.
1: Absolutely. And I was going to ask you as a closing point, uh, the website is booktopia.au. Is that correct? Booktopia.com.au, but, um, booktopia. or you, you can go to booktopia.com and it'll redirect
2: and you can have a look around and, and see what mischief we're up to.
1: Thank you so much and have a blessed day. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed Tony's story as much as I did. He's a guy that understands the the secret behind lean marketing because in the beginning, he was operating off a very strict budget, which he was able to scale into an amazing business that's flourishing today. And it's a great lesson for all of us out there tuning in. So if you want more lessons like this, I encourage you to come out to CEOCrossing.com. And in the meantime, I hope you have an amazing day. Once again, my name is Paul Kirch, host of CEO Crossing. Come out to ceocrossing.com where you can cross over to success.
0: Thanks for tuning in to CEO Crossing with our host, Paul Kirch. Be with us next time when we share stories and inspiring lessons brought to you by guest CEOs and business leaders who are helping pave the path to success. If you have questions or ideas to share, email us at podcast at ceocrossing.org. No matter your experience level, business leadership is hard and no one should go it alone. Crossover at ceocrossing.org. And let us help you accelerate your business success today.